Hello and welcome. This is Couples Counseling for Parents, a show about couple relationships, how they work, why they don't, what you can do to fix what's broken. Here are parents, our dad, Dr. Stephen Mitchell, and our mom, Ann Mitchell. Hello, and thanks for joining us today on Couples Counseling for Parents. I'm Dr. Stephen Mitchell, and Aaron and I are so excited to share with you our interview with ADHD advocate Katie Weber. Um, One of the biggest conflicts that we see uh, in couples is oftentimes when there is one partner that um, is diagnosed with ADHD or has ADHD-like symptoms, and navigating a couple relationship as you are parenting in the midst of that context of ADHD can be really challenging for a lot of couples. And so we wanted to uh, talk with Katie about this very unique and particular dynamic in parenting partner relationships. So um, let's jump in. And thanks for joining us today. We have Katie Weber with us. And Katie Weber is an ADHD advocate and coach founder of Women in ADHD, and author of the book, Worth It, A Journey to Food and Body Freedom. Katie's also the host and producer of the Women in ADHD podcast, which is ranked among the top half percent of all podcasts worldwide. She has more than 175,000 followers across her social media platforms, and Katie was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45. And Katie's made it her mission to help neurodivergent women learn to love their brains, and live a more fulfilling and gratifying life. Thank you so much, Katie, for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We're really excited. And Katie, I was saying like right before we started, I really do believe this is one of the most anticipated shows that we um, have had yet on our podcast because ADHD and couple relationships and like how it impacts parenting and all those things is is really a huge, huge topic for our community. So this is great. People are going to love it already. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And maybe one of the things that um, we can just jump into, you kind of mentioned a little bit, uh, well, in the bio there, it was just saying, you know, you were diagnosed with ADHD at 45 and that kind of motivated and uh, your passion in terms of what you're doing now. Um, maybe could you tell us just a little bit about that uh, in terms of a little bit more of that story, how that developed for you? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, it was, I was diagnosed at the beginning of the pandemic and I had, you know, an experience like I think many moms and wives and women out there at the pandemic where my kids were home, uh, my husband was home and we were trying to deal with remote learning and i felt like that was going to be also the perfect time for me to really like invest in my business <laughs> uh, <laughs> because i had a lot of like nervous energy i don't know um and and i remember you know i just was complaining to my therapist about the fact that I just felt like I was in suspended animation. I just couldn't get anything done. I felt like, uh, you know, all of a sudden it was like I was the butler, the housekeeper, the chef, the teacher. I mean, all of these things, all of these roles were thrust on us. All of my systems and organizational structures were just like thrown out the window. 
And I felt like I was just sitting there waiting for somebody to like burst out of the room and say, oh my God, Zoom's, I can't get on Zoom or Wi-Fi's out or all right. of these things. And my kids were like, I'm hungry. And I'm like, I just fed you. <laughs> like it was just this constant barrage of stuff. And yeah. I was finding it really, really difficult to get anything done. And I think that's where it all kind of started for me when I was explaining this to my therapist. And she had been talking to me over the years. She, My therapist uh, has ADHD and she was diagnosed after her middle school son was diagnosed, which I think is very common. A lot of women are diagnosed after their children. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, but so she had been, you know, once you get AD, once you have your ADHD diagnosis, you kind of look around and you're like, oh yeah, I see all of these other people who, <laughs> who yes. also have right. this. Right. Um, yes. and so she was gently suggesting to me over the years that I should look into this from some of the things I had been talking about in, in our sessions. And, uh, when the pandemic hit, she said, look, I really, I really want you to look into this. And I said, I don't, I mean, all right. Like I just never felt like, it was a diagnosis I related to. I mean, for a mm-hmm. lot of reasons, I sort of had this stereotype of a little boy who couldn't sit still. And I didn't think of myself as hyperactive. I didn't think of myself as having any sort of attention issues. I mean, I felt I felt like I didn't have a, a deficit of attention. Um, right. And um, I almost was like insulted when she sort of <laughs> kept suggesting to me that I had it because I was like, what do you what do you think of me? Right. Um, mm-hmm. Because I thought, you know, I had I had a career in a book. You know, I, I was not unsuccessful, but she saw how I uh, you know spoke of myself in this very terrible way. Um And so I took an ADHD test online and it was a general one for adults. And I kind of related to a few of the things, but I didn't like pass with flying colors. (laughs) I wasn't convinced yet. (laughs) And then I took an ADHD online test for women, specifically for women. And that's where it just hit me like a ton of bricks where I was just like, oh, oh, wow. Like the questions Mm -hmm. with for ADHD women were much more around emotional dysregulation and and our lifestyle like you know the questions were like do you hate when people show up at your house unannounced <laughs> right yeah. where i was like wait that's a thing <laughs> yes oh my god you know and so questions about like hating to stand in line and you know it really started opening my eyes to what hyperactivity looks like beyond just this image of a little boy. And, and, um, that's where I was like, Oh, okay. This is not necessarily, we're not just talking about fidget spinners here. We're talking about (laughs) some like deep seated shame around who I am as as a mother and a partner. And so that's when I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to start looking into this. And then you know, once I started looking into it, it was just this profound experience of looking over Hmm. my whole life through this lens and just realizing all of these seemingly random struggles that were hitting me like, oh, this all comes back to this diagnosis. It was, you know, sensory things around motherhood and uh, babies and difficulties I had in school. Like it just felt like everything, it just felt like ADHD was reaching everything in my life in such this incredible way. And so, and that's when I was like, I, am I the only woman? Like, I can't be the only woman who has had this <laughs> sure. experience diagnosed well into adulthood and to have this really profound shift in, in my self-concept. Yeah. And that's when I started the podcast interview other women. Yeah. You know, I, I think what's so interesting is what you're, you know, there's that little image of the little boy, right. Mm-hmm. The, that can't pay attention but you're t- you're talking about some of the emotional components and and it sounds like you're also saying like maybe there are some 
unique factors for ADHD and uh, individuals who identify as women, individuals who identify as men, and so forth and so on. So, so maybe there's some different ways that ADHD manifests, you know, uh, along those lines, maybe even cultural scripts, the ex- expectations for women, you know, I, like all these feels like it could be very complex, but I guess like if you, like, how would you define what ADHD is? And then like, do you see some unique factors between, you know, like, like you specifically said, you know, I took ADHD tests for women and that really helped like, what are, what are those maybe um, some of those characteristics? Yeah, some of those gender characteristics maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's like I, I had a guest who once called it like picking a fish hook out of a bowl of fish hooks when it comes to trying to understand <laughs> right, sure. some of this, right? Because it feels like, yeah, is this, you know, I often ask that question on my podcast, which is like, wait a minute, is this ADHD or am I just an angry feminist? <laughs> right. Because yes. yeah. a lot of this does come down to socialization, right? Um, yeah. So, okay. So, so ADHD is essentially, it's a neuro, you know, it's diagnosed as a neurodevelopmental disorder, right? And so it's characterized by fundamentally, it's characterized by a deficiency of dopamine in the brain. And so that's a really important thing to understand when it comes to the why behind a lot of behaviors. So, you know, seeking dopamine means we're going to have an interest based brain. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, an interest-based nervous system versus, uh, say, an importance-based nervous system, uh, which is when you hear the term neurotypical. That's usually mm-hmm. the distinction yeah. between neurotypical and neurodivergent. Is this is the way in which our brains kind of are are fired up, and um, so when you have an interest-based brain, it's going to cause you to experience a lot of, uh, you know. Um, you're always going to sort of chase the the shiny object. Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah. that's going to create a lot of distraction. It's going to cre- creates disorganization. It creates a hyper arousal around a lot of things. And, and for the most part, it creates a lot of difficulty with executive functioning and executive functioning, which is funny to me because it's like executive functioning is so central to ADHD and the universal ADHD experiences in adults from what I've you know, from anyone I've interviewed, it comes right. down to a lot of it comes down to executive functioning. Was this ever a term I heard before I was diagnosed with ADHD <laughs> yeah. and was kind yeah. of inducted into the lexicon of ADHD? Never. Like I'd never yeah. heard that term. And yet it's so central to living with ADHD. So, you know, executive functioning is a set of skills that are include, you know, working memory and and problem solving and and mm-hmm. self-control. So uh, um and it all really comes back down to to dopamine seeking. And uh, so that's kind of the like nerdy science part of it. So, right, what, right. but, but it's really and, helpful in terms and of Katie just, can, can ask you real quick dopamine, yeah. right? So for, for everyone out there who maybe does it, dopamine, like, okay, I've heard that term, but dopamine being that part of our brain that, um, seeks like enjoyment and put like when we do something that we enjoy, or as you're saying, something that's interesting, it spikes that dopamine. It kind of locks it in our brain and says, "Oh, you should do this again. That this is this is something that um, makes you feel good. That gives you pleasure." So, I mean, eating a good meal, um, you know, going outside, uh, doing something again that you're interested in. Oftentimes, it's also associated with like you know um, substances. So that's why substances feel so good. They they really get that spike in that dopamine. But I think that that's a really key, key component because it matches that interest. 
Mm-hmm. Dopamine makes you interested in things. Um, as you're saying, is that would that sound right to you? Yeah, absolutely. And then on the flip side, it makes it really, really difficult to do tasks that don't offer a right. lot of dopamine. <laughs> right, and right. and as a mother, you know, that's yeah. like a lot of domestic tasks are mundane <clears throat> yeah. and really routine and very, very difficult for people with ADHD, which is where we come to this sort of shame element uh, mm. uh, that a lot of women hold, which is like, I should be able to do these things. They're not difficult. Um, in right. fact, they're quite easy, but I literally cannot do it. And, and that's, I think, where a lot of the issue comes, especially with like communication. Communicating how hard that struggle actually is to somebody who doesn't understand why you're not able to do this right. relatively simple things. Right. So I, unless you had a different direction you were wanting to go, Katie, I think that is um, why this interview, what you just said, is um, so highly anticipated. Because I think that is where couples find parenting partners specifically um, a lot of friction. I think I speak yeah. Oh, yeah. professionally and personally on that <laughs> one. So can you tell us like either personally or wh- what you've learned or however, like what, what, what does that look like or what has that looked like in your couple relationship or, you know, um, that those tasks either or those conversations about like um, the shame for yourself about why can't I do these or why are these easy things not at all simple or like anything? Can you give more to that. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It it reminds me of a story where I was having a a sonogram, you know, it was my annual mammogram sonogram. And I, the sonogram technician was making small talk and she was like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm an ADHD coach for adults. And she said, Oh, well, what does ADHD look like in adults? And I was explaining. And I was like, on the spot, I was like, uh, uh, (laughs) it's, it's really hard to like do the dishes and, um, and you feel kind of, you know, like it's really easy to like, you know, create a new website on the fly, um, or like accidentally start a business, but things like folding the laundry, um, can be really, really difficult. And, and, and she she was like, Oh, that sounds a lot like my husband. He's a stay at home dad. And whenever I get home from work, the house is just a disaster. And he's been tinkering with some new toy. And he's just like, I find it really difficult to get him to do a lot of the cleanup. And I was like, well, that actually sounds an awful lot like ADHD. (laughs) She was like, no, he's just lazy. And, uh, yeah. and I had that moment of like, oh, okay, I don't really want to insert myself in your marriage right now. But <laughs> oh, like it was, you know, it was like their whole marriage just dynamics just like flash yeah. before my eyes in a very right. uncomfortable way, because I feel like a lot of these traits are historically looked at as character flaws, right? Mm. You right. Know, that there's an inherent belief that you could do the thing, whether it's clean up your clutter, whether it's be on time, uh, time management, uh, remembering things, remembering to call me back, you know, some of these things that a lot of us struggle with, um, that you could do it if you really cared. So yeah. you, if you're not doing it, you don't care enough about me, about other people or about the thing. And, and so I think a lot of the time, you know, when you live with ADHD, which you've lived with your whole life, whether you've been diagnosed or not, you've been sort of, you've been accused of being lazy, of being inconsiderate, yeah. of not trying hard enough. Um, you know, you see our report card. A lot of us, our report card said things like, you know, doesn't apply herself or not meeting yeah. her potential. More effort is needed. So, so even though you're really the effort and the desire, and you're really, really trying always. 
it's always comes across as the opposite. It comes across that you don't care and that you aren't yeah. trying. And this creates such friction, right? I mean, it, it just, it, first of all, it creates so, so many of us are diagnosed with depression for a reason, um, right. long before we come to our ADHD diagnosis, because we have this narrative of being a, a, a terrible broken person who is, mm-hmm. is inadvertently harming the people in our lives. Um, and, and I think that's super frustrating. And it's really depressing. And then if you have a partner who then also believes that narrative and feeds into that narrative, it's, you know, you, you feel like, you know, nobody's on my side and, you know, nobody really understands yeah. what I'm trying to do or what this struggle is. And it's very difficult to articulate because I think we internalize the belief of like, well, I suppose I could do it. Like, it's not hard. I can do the, I can see myself doing these. Sometimes I be even able to do these things. Yeah. Right. Um, and so there's not a lot of consistency in terms of when we can and can't do things if we don't understand the interest level right? You know, and, and right. how much interest based nervous system plays into this. So yeah, do that. I think that answered the question. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think what you spoke to is, well, one, the example you used, I think is basically the example we hear every other day. Do you think that's true? It, it, because what it yeah. feels like is lazy. Mm-hmm. And, and if you aren't going to fold that laundry, that means you think I'm going to fold that laundry. Or that I enjoy folding that laundry. Yeah, like, yeah. This oh, is all right. stuff I want to do. do it. I want to. I yeah. love folding laundry. Um, yes. And 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 the hurt then. Well, and the and the level of deep like I think I think it goes both ways, right? So there's the partner who isn't uh quote unquote the identified um ADHD person, right? You know, and and they're feeling taken advantage of or they're feeling misunderstood in them in themselves like oh yeah like i just love doing all this stuff and i kind of like um all this stuff gets dumped on me because i can do it and that's a story that they've had or or because and that's a that's a story they've had in their own life where they feel taken advantage of or or you know whatever it might be and then for me i think one of the most profound things that i've seen too is just the level of like shame that the other partner who has the ADHD feels like, I mean, sitting there seeing this partner, like just like cry and just feel so like, I mean, I, I know, like I, I want to, I'm, I'm trying, you know, I, and, and what you're saying too, Katie, sometimes they do, so, you know, miraculously somehow they're like, yeah. And then a lot of times they don't. And then it does feel, they get labeled as you're lazy. You don't care you're selfish, you're, you know, all these really, really like harsh, harsh words. And it's just this balance of, you know, you, you've got these two partners, one feeling so ashamed and like they're broken and can't do stuff and they really want to, and feeling really confused. And this other partner who's just feeling overwhelmed and resentful and angry. Um, Yeah. And, and, and throw parenting in there. And that's, (laughs) Oh boy, that's a mess, you know? Yeah. And I think also not only that, but for somebody who with ADHD, who might have like tried so many approaches and tactics in the past, they end up becoming really jaded and resentful when you try to problem solve with them too. Right. right? Right. Which I think can also be a communication issue, which is like, they're not, you know, I want to help them and they don't want my help. When that person, it just feels like I have tried everything and I you know, I'm tired of feeling like taking the blame, you know, in yeah. a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. 
Right. And and I think that the the key thing and is kind of back to how you were describing um, ADHD that that this isn't a willful thing. This isn't this isn't the other partner sitting there being like I'm not going to do anything or I'm going to forget to pick up what you asked me to at the grocery store, you know, even though you texted it to me but I, you know, forgot to bring my phone and I you know, like whatever it might be. It's, I it's, feel I feel personally attacked by that example. <laughs> I just like to say <laughs> So that was yesterday. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, I, I'm not upset about it. Um, so, so, and, and that maybe that, that is something to say, like we, we do feel like we we have these dynamics even in our own relationship. Um, I, I, you know, no one's been formally diagnosed with ADHD, but we have wondered if maybe <clears throat> there's one of us that there's one of us that identifies that way. And, and honestly, I think Aaron kind of does, and she thinks I do. So you know, we'll have to figure that out. Um, <laughs> but, but I think that the thing being that this isn't a willful thing, this is really a brain chemistry thing, a, a brain setup thing. Um, and it doesn't, it's just different. It's just someone's brain, your partner's brain works differently, not wrong. <laughs> or because I think that that can be helpful for the person who has ADHD and for the partner to be like, oh, this is just, you operate differently. Okay. And trying to start there in terms of understanding one another. Yeah. I always, with my kids, I use the example of lefty scissors, you know, and it's like, everybody has this pair of scissors and it's working fine for them. And then you give it to somebody with left hand who's left-handed and they're like, I don't know why these scissors don't work. They're working for everybody else. And people are like, well, just try cutting harder or, you know, just keep at it. And then, you know, just being like, I don't know why it's not working for me. And you just need the right scissors. You need the right approach. Okay, so that's my next question. And I think it's kind of a two part question, or or maybe it really isn't. But so a lot of people that we have heard from, um, and talking about this, or even just people reach out about this quite a bit, honestly, they feel like their partner does know, or I know, you know, my partner was diagnosed 20 years ago, or, you know, I really think my partner has ADHD, but they are resistant, or they know they have it, but you know, it's something we don't talk about. Or um, there's still this, I, I when you were talking about this resistance to like, don't give me the like, maybe what we need to do is just a flow chart. So you know, <laughs> like more strategies. Um, it can feel, uh, I think, beyond shameful. I think it can feel really patronizing. I, I think it can feel like, thank you so much for explaining to me all over again this morning that you don't understand me at all. Um, those types of feelings. So I think there's this two-part thing like, so what are we supposed to do? Like, what expectations am I allowed to have? What um, what does allowing your partner to not be wrong but just different look like? What does um, – what do we do then? I guess this is the question of like, so, so what? Here, um, here it is, everybody. The solution is coming. It's going to solve. Katie's going to solve. No pressure, all of our Katie. Problems. Here we go. I know. All I'm right. like. We're, I'm ready. Uh, maybe I'm ready. I should uh, write a book so you could go buy it. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, 
God, I mean, I wish I had an easy solution to this. I really do, because I would probably make a lot of money off of it. But I think, you know, one of the reasons why ADHD coaching is such a popular modality uh, for adults with ADHD is because the power is placed in the person's hand to make decisions and figure out what do they need and what do they what will help them. And a lot of the times when, especially when you're living life undiagnosed, you know, you're, you're treading water. You're just kind of like constantly keeping up. Um, and you don't spend a lot of time thinking, what do I need? What would help me right now? Because we are in such a place of shame so much of the time. And so I think one of the things that can really, really help in a partnership is to try to reduce the shame as much as possible, because that will, um, you know, uh, bring them to a place where they can then problem solve, right? You know, I, I, what I work on with my clients a lot of the time, and I think this can help with couples is like, uh, if you've done something and you feel really bad about it, I say like, let's, let's use the mantra. This is information. Um, Mm -hmm. and when you say this is information that takes you out of the emotional realm of like, I'm such a terrible person. Why did I do this? What's wrong with me? And it takes you into a logical place where you can say, what did I learn from this? What can I do differently next time? And you can start to ask the logical questions that will propel you forward. So I think with, you know, as a couple, the, the encourage, you know, the, the most important thing is to, to, is to remember you're on the same team. Right. Mm -hmm. And so often, like we were saying, like sometimes when you're, when you take the lead and say, let's, I'm going to figure out how we're going to solve this. You've taken them out of the driver's seat. And now you're putting them back into a place of potential shame. And that can be really triggering for a lot of people with ADHD. So I think a lot of the time it's really like, listen to them and, and support, you know, support them, but at the same time, also guide, help guide them to making, you know, empowering themselves and make their own decisions. And if they're not at a place to do that yet, be understanding and have a lot of grace to, so that we can get them to a place. Um, and, and, you know, and that sometimes can just be, you know, reminding them of all the things that you love about them and, and you are reminding them that even though they may not be great at X, they're really great at Y and that there's always going to be kind of a a yin yang to a lot of these ADHD qualities. There's always going to be a positive side to a negative, you know, reframing is so important when it comes to a lot of these traits. Yeah. You know, that that's so interesting because, you know, Aaron is the I one. I can tell right now, based on his face, that we are going someplace terrible. Well, um, <laughs> you as the one with you as the one with Katie, ADHD. You, you can see him too. You saw it on his face. In the, uh, in the relationship. Um, I, I think uh, one of the things that I have noticed in terms of for me to be able to think about Aaron and how she operates in these terms really does um you know that idea of this is information it it really has radically changed um how i think about her and approach things so we had like we had this really big project um that was due december 1 and i'm the type of person we knew about this project in september oh yeah maybe maybe august and and so i'm the type of person that says okay so let's map it out what are we going to do we're going to do a little bit you know you know every week up until that december one so that there's no stress it'll be done you know we'll be you know we'll be cruising maybe we'll even get it done early and aaron though is sort of in charge of this project she's sort of the driver of the project and so a lot of that relies on her and i just saw the days and the weeks tick by 
and nothing was being done. And I think historically, I would have gotten really, really angry and frustrated about that. Been like, come on, like, this is important. I'm getting nervous and you're not helping me because I'm feeling nervous about this. And, and like, why are we waiting till the last minute? But I think one of the things I have learned about her is she has this unbelievable capacity and ability to get things done when they need to be done. And something that she's always told me, she said, Stephen, I need momentum. I need to feel a sense of momentum to do something. And when and I've seen it, when she feels the momentum, she gets stuff done. And so I just kept telling myself the information I know, she just needs momentum. She doesn't have momentum yet. And the momentum that she might need might, might mean it needs to be two days before it's due. That's fine. I can do my part. She'll do her part. I don't need to help her strategize. I don't need to say anything. Help I me just, strategize. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> see, that because that would be condescending and I don't, don't want to be condescending. And it was really amazing. Like I was able to be like, you know what? That's up to Aaron. Aaron will get it done when Aaron needs to get it done. I'm going to do what I can and I'm going to leave it at, at that. And you know what? December 1, boom, project's done. Like it worked perfectly. She found the momentum she needed. And I and we didn't we didn't have a big argument or, or or fight about it. There it was just I knew that information. I knew how her brain worked. I knew how she brings herself to a project. And and in some ways I can look at that and, be, and kind of marvel at it. And be like, man, I cannot believe that you can just sit down and get all of that done and at, at once. Like I can't do that. I, I don't have that ability. I I have to like slowly kind of plod along. Um, and that's, and I see that as really kind of like a superpower. Um, you are beginning to see that end. as a superpower. Yeah. <laughs> it used to feel really hurtful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I think it's things like that, like where some the information of, can be power. The information can be power. You can you can try to be gracious, and I still at the same time, like I think I was able to to express like my concerns or my or, or maybe my hopes, but I but not but not pressure Aaron into like um, complying <laughs> or w- with that or, or like, you know, getting with the program and, and doing things the way I would do them. Um, Katie, how, yes, I, I feel like that. Um, I'm curious for you and your partner, um, if you feel comfortable, what did diagnosis do for you? And then I, if I'm realizing I never asked the second part to my first question. <laughs> um, but it oh, actually, way, way back then. Oh, isn't that interesting? Is the same huh. Second huh. part to this question, which is a lot of what we hear is that diagnosis um, has, or even it, because sometimes people have known for a while, you know, I was diagnosed when I was in high school or I was diagnosed, whatever. Um, but um, Trying to sort of bring that back into this into the forefront because I think what Stephen said is what we have heard, um, and again our population is very skewed because we almost work exclusively with parents, but that parenthood sort of shakes it all up all over again. Like so, we had a great system. Like we we knew how to work and operate with ADHD. We or or we didn't even know it existed, but it didn't matter. We could live with it, you know. Yes. Well, like it was all, um, it was all right. But then you know? became parents and this isn't working. Like we haven't yet found the, our footing in this. And, um, and then sometimes what we hear is there's sort of a, a screeching halt to like, so diagnosis didn't help right away. Diagnosis almost made it worse or made it feel like, 
Um, And I think that that has been true for both partners. So the person who gets diagnosed, I don't think all the time feels immediate relief in it. Like, oh, no, there's freedom. Um, And then for the partner, like, so wait, now I just have to accept all these challenges. Or I'm just curious if if the, if you have felt that yourself or heard that in in the people you work with and then what like how was how was diagnosis for you and and your partner did they have any challenges did did it just go perfectly smooth those types of <laughs> it worked out fine uh, yeah great. right um yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i always feel like i i want to start a support group for partners of people who are diagnosed with adulthood because they have to listen to us sure. go on and on and on about how incredibly interesting this is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh because you know my my husband and i have been together for 20 years at this point and and yeah i mean i feel like he has listened to me go on and on and on i think he's probably an expert now um and I, you know, been very fortunate. I think it's, if anything, it's really improved our relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I, you know, it's it's not always the case. I think um, there are a lot of times where, with any sort of profound shift in your self identity, you know, you're going to change, so your relationships are going to change. And some yes. people might want to, you know, be very excited about that, and some people might have been much more comfortable with who who you were before. Right. Sure. Um, And then um, so. so wait, what was the question again? You're asking me which, <laughs> which one, in there. Katie? I think, yeah, was, I, I think there was, was. I think it was a loaded, complex question. I think maybe just t- tell the story if there's anything significant that stands out for you of your own diagnosis and and how maybe it shifted or shaped your relationship. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things I think you know because so many of us are diagnosed with depression and anxiety before we come to our ADHD diagnosis, it's been something I've thought about and talked about a lot with my guests, which is like, were we misdiagnosed? I mean, obviously Mm -hmm, ADHD and undiagnosed ADHD facilitates depression and anxiety, but is it a comorbidity or were we misdiagnosed? And so I think a lot about, I, you know, my diagnoses and how, you know, a lot of the time the emotional dysregulation that comes with ADHD, um, you know, feeling like, why am I suddenly yelling at everybody in my life? Why is everybody in my life walking around on eggshells? I feel like a terrible partner and a terrible mother because I don't understand why I'm acting the way I am. And so the depression comes from the confusion and the frustration of like, I don't know why I am this way. I feel broken. And so, uh, and so then you go to your doctor and you're like, I'm sad. (laughs) And they, you know, will often put us on antidepressants, which helps with the emotional regulation. It just doesn't often help with the executive dysfunction, which is kind of the cause. So I had a lot of that experience where um, I was very grateful for antidepressants in like when I had had newborns um, and was diagnosed with postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And, uh, you know, we joke like once my son was 10, I was like, are we still calling it postpartum (laughs) depression? (laughs) Sure. Uh, But, you know, it was, that I just, I think a lot of us have so much of that feeling of like, I don't understand why I act the way I do. I don't understand what's happening. And so then we feel like we're just bad at life and we feel like we're bad partners and we feel like we're bad parents. And so one of the things that can be so helpful with a diagnosis is giving the why behind a lot of these behaviors that you mm-hmm. can then say like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, and and another thing I uh, talk about with my kids who have both been diagnosed with ADHD since I was diagnosed is, you know, ADHD is, is 
an explanation. It's not an excuse, right? It's not an excuse to be a jerk. It's not an excuse to just say, oh, I don't have to do this anymore because I don't like it. Right. I mean, you know, and so we talk about like I talk about the little child in my brain and the adult in my brain and how they have to have a conversation all the time. And and oftentimes the adult has to acknowledge the little child who's like, I don't want to do this. And then the (laughs) adult has to say, you're right. It's boring. And who would want to do this? But does it have to get done? And then you start asking the logical questions like, does it have to get done? Can you get somebody else to do it? What can you get somebody to help you? When does it have to get done? You know, a lot of those questions that then get you out of this executive dysfunction paralysis and into kind of more of the momentum that you were talking about. So um, I think, you know, just being able to see myself uh, you know, and have a lot of the whys and, and, and a lot of the explanation as to why I was, you know, having this inexplicable rage sometimes and really being able to, to temper some of that and see what I call notes in the margin uh, around mm-hmm. my behaviors where I can start uh, walk around now understanding, oh, am I, why am I yelling at everybody? Well, the TV's on and I haven't eaten. And, you know, right. <laughs> like all, yeah. you, know, you start to see these road signs before you get to a place of dysregulation. And then, it's, you know, then that has just made me really been able to, like I was saying before, I'm out of that emotional place and I'm into the more logical place where I can then say, yeah, I'm actually a phenomenal parent. I'm a phenomenal yes. partner right. and I, I bring a lot to the table. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, sorry, go ahead. Well, well, I was just, I think that how I love that idea that, you know, um, an explanation isn't an excuse but I do think an explanation gives you a different option, which is to be gracious and compassionate with yourself and your partner towards you and even towards your partner's experience of, of you in, in, the, in that kind of place. And I, and I think that in that way, like an explanation is really, really, really useful because it 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 makes it not personal. You kind of talk about it not being like bringing it out of that emotional place. Oftentimes, for couples, we talk about like all of these things happen and they feel so personal. And of course, your personal life is impacted by it. But it but it is not your partner sitting there thinking, "Hmm, how can I make my partner's life the most miserable? You know, it can possibly be today." Like th- that's not how. Most people relate to one another, and I think that this is one of those those things that it can it can keep it from being personal, and you can kind of look at it together as a as a couple and be like, hey, in a sense, how are we going to relate to ADHD? It's here. It's a member of our family. Neither one of us invited it, but guess what? We get <laughs> we get to deal with it. So how do, how do we want to do that? You know, and this is how it impacts me, and this is how it impacts us, and it's just a different. You know, it's just a same different, team. Yeah, I mean, same what you team. mentioned earlier. We, yes. You know, good information. What do we do with the information we have? How do we make some decisions? Um, so I, I, I think that 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 is so important. Like, it's not an excuse, but it definitely can take it away from being this personal attack, which I think sometimes it feels like, at least. That's how we hear some Absolutely. couples we, talk we about it. We think the person who has and is working with ADHD feels attacked by it like and by their partner. Like, I am lazy. Like, I don't know why I can't. That shame. That uh, shame is easily one of my least favorite words, but also most favorite because I think even just hearing the word, it like brings the feeling. Like, I feel that 
like just the weight of shame, just saying it. Um, and, and I think that this can be one of those things because I think people who have ADHD feel like their partner thinks they're lazy. They made themselves feel lazy. Like, what is wrong with me? Why? I knew Stephen wanted me to, you know, map out my progress <laughs> towards this goal. And and I want to want that. I just, you know, I've, I've actually That's done just that not a thousand times. Yeah. But it always makes me feel terrible in the end because I'm not going to meet the weekly deadline. And I'm not going <laughs> to, I just know that. Um, and And I used to feel really bad about that. Um, but I think one of the most hurtful places is that feeling of so misunderstood. I think we hear partners say often, um, they're lazy. If if they loved me, they would do the, whatever, fill in the blank. They would make sure, fill in the blank. Um, and our the partner sitting there is, everything I do is for this family. Everything. And and I, I, I like, how could you think that yeah. of me? You're telling me I don't care when I care so, so deeply. Much. I'm working so hard and feeling like it's not working. It's not enough. And, I'm and that's, not enough. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. hard. That's, mm-hmm. that's a deep, deep, deep hurt. Um, when yeah. it, it just furthers any chasm that already existed. I mean, it just goes over that rut. Um, every time it comes up that the distance is a couple. Um, I think when you mentioned to the the rage piece, you know, that, that dysregulated, overstimulated, that mom who's like, there's a TV on, a kid's crunching some food right here in my ear. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm stepping on some crunchy, I'm, sticky stuff. There's substance. a Lego in my toes. Like, you know, these, um, and then they do have a feeling of why can't I be like the gentle mom who says, hey, everyone, mom's feeling overstimulated. Let's all take a pause and a deep breath. Like, what would you say to that parent out there who feels like it's me? I'm the problem. I I lose my temper. I, and you know, I don't think it. we need to say it, but I think it's worth saying. It's not okay to lose your temper. I'm not like. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. But yes, sure. Just scream but we do. <laughs> well, yes. I think just within the realm of. Sure, sure. Yes. Um, what, what, what message do you hope that parent hears? Uh, I mean, yeah, God, I just want to give them all a hug, right? I just want to give that, those moms a hug, um, especially moms of newborns. Oh my goodness. The newborn phase is so hard. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to just being able to, recognize some of the markers that might trigger us and, and try to recognize those, you know, as, as you start to understand more around sensory issues, sensory issues are sensory processing is a big thing with a lot of people with ADHD. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We have a really hard time filtering, um, sensor, you know, um, sensations and, and filtering information. So that plays out in a lot of seemingly random ways, but a lot of it does have to do with noise or lights, uh, you know, and kids are just tornadoes of chaos. So, um, you know, a lot of the time is like, what do you need? Like a downtime? I think, you know, we do less, I think is maybe the advice I would give (laughs) Uh, and, and let go of as much as you possibly can, because we're sort of sold this narrative as, you know, you can do it all and you can work and you can have kids and be perfect and do all this stuff and show up on social media and all of these things that we are sort of sold. And it's just too much. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, really it's, it's, 
the thing I'm always, the, the question I'm always asking myself is like, how can I pull back? How can I do less yes. <laughs> as a yeah. person, as a human? Um, and then that's okay. It doesn't mean I'm not phenomenal. And I think that's another thing that is really important, which is like asking for help is a strength, you know, and, and, and bringing people in who can help you, I think is uh, the number one thing you can do. Um, and, and it's really difficult. It's really difficult to even think about articulate what help you need in the moment. Sure. Um, and so that's why I sort of always want to kind of get out of a place of overwhelm so that you can then start to say, okay, where can I need help? You know? Right. So right. many of right. us use that example, use the metaphor of the swan where everybody thinks we're doing great. And everybody's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You, you have a great business or you look like you're, everything's wonderful. And, uh, and then underneath the surface, you're just madly paddling and nobody can see that. So it's yeah. like mm-hmm. just for yourself, how can you get yourself to a state of just a little less overwhelm so that you can start to, to get, get some help in there. Yeah. It makes me think of this very popular meme from, I think, at least it became a part of my awareness during um, sort of the quarantine of COVID, which was moms, you know, it was sort of like the POV moms, like, we're, I'm not okay. I need help. Um, workplace, you're doing such a great job, mom. No, I'm I'm really not okay. Partner, I can't believe you're doing this all. I actually need help, you know, in-laws, parents. I am shocked at what a superhero you are. Like, I'm not okay. Yeah. Um, we're not okay. Yeah. Parents need help. I think we we try to say this to everybody. Like our personal messages, we're all lonely. If you know a parent, they're lonely. Check on them. If you can help them, help them. Um, and then looking at your partner and like, oh, you're you're probably lonely too. Like you <laughs> you need help. And yeah, um, I think I just think that speaks to so much of that. And so, Katie, for sorry, go ahead. No, 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 finish. Do you feel like um, there are some sort of universal um, help we can offer the the people in our life that, you know, because you said, ask for help, do less so you can be present to the things you actually want to be present to, and you can bring your whole self, um, but you need help to get there. Do you think that there are some universal helps that we need that um, we can sort of all blanket apply? Or do you think it is sort of an individualized plan of figuring out like, these are the things that activate me this is the thing that actually feels helpful. These are the five things that don't feel helpful. Please never say this again. Um, <laughs> you know, I, does that, is that a clear I will question? not tell you to buy another planner. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. Right. Thank yeah. you. I never, I never invite Aaron to map out a plan <laughs> yeah. ever anymore. I map it out for myself because that's what and, I need. And it does help and you. And that's, that's great. Fine. And we have had reverse shame in that where I'm like, that seems awful. And you're a boring person. Um, <laughs> So yeah. you know, yeah. he's like, well, you know what? There's nothing wrong with me either, just because we do this different. Um, but yes, that's a an aside. <laughs> do you think it's individualized, or do you think there are some universals? Yeah, I think there are a lot of universals. I mean, I, I think medication is a great place to start if you're diagnosed. Sure. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of different medications out there. It's really difficult to navigate. If you, the first one you try might not always work, but I say I think if you can find. A, a medical practitioner who's willing to work with you um, in terms of titration and which type of medication right. yeah. it can be really life-changing for a lot of people. So, um, you know, that's obviously a, a first place to start, but medication doesn't, you know, there's many of us, myself included, who just haven't gotten there, who haven't found the yeah. right medication. Um, and so 
in that instance, I feel like, you know, there's some things that are incredible, have been incredibly helpful for me, which is getting outside every day in nature is paramount. Like I cannot, I, you know, and I'm not saying you have to like do CrossFit or go to a gym (laughs) or any of that. I'm just saying, get outside and move your body and elevate your heart rate. That is the single best thing you can do for your brain. It's the single best thing you can do for your mental health. Like it's just, uh, you know, uh, and I feel like a lot of us sort of eye roll when, you know, if we have a a disordered relationship with exercise or, or our bodies. Um, because you know, many of us do because we're humans. Um, but I really do feel like, uh, that one thing can be so important and, and it also can get you used to just like these non-negotiable spaces or blocks in your day of what it means to like practice self-care. And that can be really difficult too, which is like, there are certain things that feel non-negotiable. You know, it's funny because it's like a lot of people come to their ADHD diagnosis because their child was diagnosed with ADHD and they're like, okay, hyper-focus. How am I going to help them live their best life? What am I going to do? We do that for other people. We do that for our children. We just don't do that for ourselves. So some of the time it's, you know, it's really kind of deciding what are these non-negotiables in my life that are not, maybe it would be nice if I did this. And this is like, absolutely. This is part of my day, you know, coffee. That's like, it's not like I wake up in the morning and decide maybe I'll have coffee today. Right, like if right. I don't have coffee, I'm, you know, it's, it's disaster. So yeah. like, th- those are these non-negotiables where I'm like, how was I able to accept, how was I able to integrate that in my life, but not some other things. Um, and so that I think is, you know, and that that's going to look different for other, for everybody. Uh, sure. And the, the other thing I think is so important is finding other people, finding your community. Right. Um, and finding, you know, one of the things I did when I, when I was first diagnosed was just like, I went on a Facebook and I joined every single Facebook group I could find. And I started listening to podcast. You know, I literally, the reason why my podcast is called women and ADHD is because I typed women ADHD into my podcast player. And I found, uh, Tracy Otsuka's podcast. I listened to like 75 episodes while walking (laughs) out with walking my dog every day. And so, but just getting that validation and realizing you're not alone, you're not broken, you're not, yes. you know, uh, that there are many, many, many people who are having experiences like yours, and there's many ways in which this manifests. And I think just eradicating some of that shame through community and validation is incredibly healing and a huge part of the quote unquote treatment plan for managing ADHD. Yeah, yeah. Well, Katie, can you, because maybe a a great place for people to start who are listening is with you, um, (laughs) you know, in terms of just all of your content, the things that you offer. I I know that Aaron and I have, I mean, benefited massively from it. Like, you know, Aaron will show me a post, you know, and it's either hilarious or like, just informative and helpful or both all at the yeah, same yeah. time. I'm like, and, yes. And so can you, can you please like tell people like the best places to find you in the world? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, well, after I started the the podcast, which is called women and ADHD. So you can look for that podcast that's been around for two years now. And I interview other women who were diagnosed sometimes in adulthood. Sometimes, like you said, they were diagnosed in childhood and it kind of re occurred to them in adulthood yeah. in a very profound <laughs> way. Um, and uh, I also have the URL women So if you head to that website, you can find the podcast, you can find, I have an online community, uh, a global community of women who, who come together and, you know, we found each other and we 
ask, invent, and compare, and yeah. uh, share resources. And uh, on Instagram, I'm at katieweber.adhd. And we also, will link all of this. Okay, sorry. yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also want to, you know, I from a relationship standpoint, I want to definitely want to recommend the ADHD effect on marriage, which is a book written by Melissa Orlov. And that's actually written. She is a, a non ADHD wife of an ADHD husband. Yes. So for that perspective, I think that's really like the seminal book. Yeah. Um, and then the other one I always recommend is when an adult you love has ADHD by Russell Barkley. Cause Russell Barkley is just amazing. Everything he's written is so good. Um, and, um, and then I also want to recommend the disruptors, which is a documentary that came out earlier this in, earlier in 2022. And it's so fantastic, especially if you have kids who have ADHD or families, uh, it looks at all, it looks, it's just a really, really thought provoking and thoughtful, uh, documentary look into what it's like to live with ADHD at every age. I have not heard of that. Yeah, I haven't it, heard of that one. Where yeah. where That's, can you find that? Where do people? Uh, it's not on any streaming platforms. You do okay. have to buy it from okay. iTunes, uh, okay. but it's it's just fantastic. Okay. Really, okay. My I I, I forced my husband because you know because I'm the one who does all the research and reads all the books and does all right. you know, and my husband's like we'll wing it it's fine yeah. <laughs> uh, and this was one of those ones where I forced everybody in my family to sit down and watch it with me and I'm so glad I did and he was really you know he. It, it really changed a lot of his perspective on medication and, you know, some of the things uh -huh. we've been talking about in terms of like living with, with, uh, how seeing how people with ADHD tend to view themselves. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that would be powerful for someone, mm -hmm. um, who loves someone with ADHD to see and to know, and to really yeah. get to feel the weight of that because it, it can be very weighty. Um, yeah. Um, well, okay. Closing up. Is there any final thoughts you have or, um, you know, any questions I asked or didn't <laughs> unfinished. <laughs> I, I just mean, there were a lot of threads I threw out there. Uh, yeah. Gosh. Um, this was awesome. I'm trying. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I guess, uh, it's great. And I think, you know, it is genetic. So <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. if your kid's been that's diagnosed, right. uh, you know, that's a really great indicator that you, something, <laughs> you might want to look into it. So. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, that's right. I, I think kind of the research I saw is like, if there's one, uh, parent with ADHD, there's a good chance that one and three, like kind of kids. Okay. And then if they both parents have ADHD, it's kind of two and three You're is from screwed. Yeah. kind of what I understand. Yeah. It's like, Great, great. Good luck. Every, well, at least at least you all understand each other, maybe uh, in some way. Um, but well, yeah, thank, thank you, you so yeah. much. It was really, really great getting to talk with you. Yeah, Katie. so we very really helpful. Your time. Yes. Yeah, really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, that was just some really, really wonderful stuff. Um, I think um, a lot of really helpful, important nuggets in there for sure. Yes, yes. What what uh, stuck out to you, Aaron? Um. Well, that's a good question. I think um, probably the thing that stands out for me most of all, I'm maybe just feeling a little solution focused right now. I just really like her emphasis, Katie, talking about um, shame and how yeah. how much shame can get us stuck um, in places like, you know, in your ADHD brain. Sure, sure. Um, but also how that parenting partner dynamic can get stuck in that shame um, and, and, Ooh, that's deep. Yeah. I, I like that. And then sort of that the way out isn't 
an easy fix. Is it more shame? Is, is it, it like get it together? <laughs> like why are you always failing? Why are you not doing? Yeah, and you know, you know those are those are understandable feelings about it. But yeah. that what helps people actually um, get their choice back and and uh, is compassion. Yeah. So I think shame and compassion. I think will be the lasting things for me. How yeah, you? yeah. You know, I I think that you know, the, I I think that this is a very common dynamic between uh, parenting partners, where maybe one one partner is struggling with ADHD, the other isn't, and it, or when both, are. or yeah, or both I mean, are. Yeah. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. We've also seen that, and and I think that um, what can why it's helpful to to have a name for maybe what's going on. You mean like a diagnosis? Yeah, maybe. yeah. It's because I really do think that that then can help partners feel like, hey, how can we team up together to understand ADHD and what's happening, how your brain is working, how my brain is working, and what are the optimal kind of uh, environments and context and, and strategies for working together to succeed. And and I just think it it... it it offers an opportunity, the explanation, the diagnosis uh, offers an opportunity to collaborate together as partners right. um, rather than feel like you're against each other. And and I think it really can really feel that way initially if you don't know. Or even um, when you do. That's true. That's true. Yeah. It's kind of, especially for maybe the partner who doesn't have ADHD, it just doesn't make sense. Like, like why why can't you get it together um, in a way is, is maybe what it feels like but but i think again the explanation can really kind of help take things out of that personal realm and 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 give some hopefully too to the to the partner who maybe discovers the adhd just some you mean in, the, in their own body yeah, yeah just some freedom to like oh like to not be stuck in shame to be like right. oh there like there really is something different going on here and so hopefully um you know i i think that you know, just talking to, to Katie, like it, it just provides what I think is an opportunity for, for freedom and collaboration, um, which is going to help couples feel, I think, yeah, more, what, more connected. What couple doesn't yeah, want that, for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Today's show was produced by Aaron and Stephen Mitchell. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the follow button and leave us a rating. This helps our content become more visible to others who might enjoy it, and it lets us know how we can keep improving the show. And as always, we're grateful for you listening. Thanks so much for being with us here today on Couples Counseling for Parents. And remember, working on a healthy couple relationship is good parenting.